I just want to make uh, a few final thoughts on our study, the last study of the tabernacle. Just want to read a couple of verses. We'll have a few scattered thoughts as we bring our session to a close. But uh, for the benefit of those that weren't here this morning, we'll just have a, we did use a few slides to aid us in our study. But let's go to, uh, I want to read just two verses for the beginning here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 5 for one. And then we're going to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 9. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 5. <clears throat> Hebrews 8, 5, um, breaking into a thought here where the writer of Hebrews sums up the matter of which he'd been speaking. But he uh, says in verse 5, Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that they'll make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. Now that word pattern, uh, I guess some of us might know, is the word tupos, typos in Greek. Uh, in this, it, so in other words, there was a type showed him. We use that word a lot, right, when it comes to things in the Bible, that they are a type of, uh, of something else, uh, primarily of the Lord Jesus. Now, in, this, in the, the study of typology is very broad, but as far as I know, there's not too many things expressly said in the Word of God to be a type of Christ. Adam, this very word here, uh, pattern, typos, was used of Adam. He was a type of him that was to come. So we can, we can say scripturally that Adam was a type of Christ. But how about here? Uh, make all things according to the type showed to you in the mount. So certainly the pattern was the pattern. The, ta the tabernacle was a type of what was in heaven. So we don't want to ignore it for that reason. And then in, uh, over one page, at least in my Bible, Hebrews 9.9, 9, uh, speaking again of the tabernacle, uh, it says there, the writer says, which was a figure. Speaking of the tabernacle, he just talked about it quite extensively from verse 1 to verse 8. From and then he says in verse 9, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, and so on. But that word figure is the word in Greek for parable. Now, we would not ignore the parables of Matthew 13, right? We're going to use them and learn from them. Well, we can learn extensively from God, about God, uh, from the tabernacle. So it was a parable for the time then present. And again, we're not going to ignore the uh, many parables that our Lord spoke, and neither should we uh, ignore this one. So it was a parable for the time then present. There's many rich lessons in the tabernacle. I just want to read two more verses and make a few thoughts uh, about where we left off. We left off in heaven this morning. So let's just read uh, two verses, or a few verses actually. Uh, go to Psalm 99. Psalm 99. Maybe you are familiar with this verse, but I think it fits very well with our uh, thoughts on the tabernacle, especially this morning as we went into that forbidden place. Beyond the veil, where only the high priest was allowed. 
And remember, we pointed out that the tabernacle often is, is said to have no seat. There's no seat in the house for the uh, priests, but there was a seat for the Lord. Uh, on the, on the, uh, and here we're going to read about it. Psalm 99, verse 1. The Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. He sits between the cherubims, let the earth be moved. So, there's a, something established here about the Lord reigning. The people need to respond. Where is the Lord now? According to that verse, he sits between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. All right, so we have a, a majestic scene here. And it goes on in the rest of that psalm to speak of the holiness of our God. But where he is now, it, you know, it's a wonderful thing uh, to know that amidst crumbling governments around us, Again, amidst a crumbling society, that the Lord reigns, let the people tremble. He sits between the cherubims. What's he talking about? If we didn't know anything about the tabernacle, we'd have no idea. So thank the Lord for where he sits now. He sits between the cherubim. And then uh, we'll just refer to, since we've read it a number of times, in, in, in Exodus chapter 25, when after the Lord gave the instruction, he said, let them, he gave the instruction for the material, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Now, and then in the last book of the Bible, the next to the last chapter, Revelation 21, verse 3, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be their God. Wonderful, wonderful uh, lessons, right, in the tabernacle of God. We pointed out at one point, that when the Lord himself came, when God sought to presence himself among his own creatures, it says, John 1.14, he dwelt among us. We beheld his glory and he dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us. So just a few final thoughts on this whole structure of the tabernacle. Uh, this is an artist's rendition uh, of it. And of course, if you look around, you'll find many. Uh, we there's there's several out, out there, but you know we want to make one point though here. We while we can learn a lot from the tabernacle, that was what God's as that were type or picture book that He used in the Old Testament to teach New Testament truth. But we don't go back to that practice today, right? Now many religions and churches do, right? They have the they don't have the veil, but they have the rail. You can't go beyond the rail, right? You can only lean or kneel at the rail. But you have incense and you have all of these other things that 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 were used under the Old Testament economy. But we don't have that today. We worship in spirit and in truth. But it, nevertheless, we there's so much about the tabernacle. We know that God did not make a mistake and he left it there for a number of reasons and we just like to point them out. Here the tabernacle was God's self-revelation to man. I will dwell among them. God had promised to come down. Now, we, we want to point out something here. In the historical context of the tabernacle, it was not possible until redemption took place. In other words, they were led, the children of Israel were led out of bondage, led out of slavery through the blood of the God's paschal lamb, as it were. The, lamb, the blood of the lamb was shed, and they were led out of that bondage. But the tabernacle was not possible until redemption took place. Prior to that, yes, God visited the people, but he did not dwell like he promised to do in the tabernacle. And we also read in Exodus 19 about 
the Lord had told them that, that he, uh, he wanted to bring the people to himself. Not only lead them out to go to Canaan, but lead them to himself. And that's a wonderful thing. When we stop and think about it, that it's not just heaven that's our, 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 our future. You know, it, it, we, we look forward to being with the Lord, right? He wanted to dwell among the people. He wanted to dwell with them. And so all the way, they could enjoy God's presence, you know, long before they got to the promised land. Remember, they were 40 years, right? Going around Mount Sinai. But they can enjoy the presence of God long before they got to that promised land. And so you, cannot, you and I, we don't have to wait to, for heaven to enjoy the presence of God. We can enter heaven every day. That's where we left off, right? We left off the, in, 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 in heaven. Heaven, yes, is, is the, our forerunner is entered there within the veil. And we know we're going to be there because our forerunner is there. But now, right now, while we're waiting for our, our forerunner to come back, we can enter into the holiest of all by the blood of Jesus on a daily basis, right? We can, we can visit heaven every day by faith in the Spirit. Right and, and enjoy the very presence of God. What a wonderful thing. It beats football games. It beats races. It beats all of these things that the world has to offer. To come in and enjoy the presence of our Creator and of our Redeemer. To enjoy His fellowship and to interact with Him as He uh, desires uh, for us to, to meet with Him. So the goal of redemption and God leading them out was to bring them to Himself. And he, that was one of the reasons He uh, had the tabernacle there. And then just a couple of functions we'll mention and we'll bring, I think, the, we'll bring our thoughts to a close. According to Hebrews chapter 5, the, uh, the, the tabernacle was a copy and a shadow of heavenly things. If I want to know what heaven is like, I look at the tabernacle and I can see the lovely colors. I can see the lovely uh, arrangements that God had, the furniture and all of these things. It was a copy of uh, heavenly and shadow of heavenly things. It was a material copy of spiritual truth. It taught Israel many wonderful lessons about God. And you and I as well. You think about the beauty of holiness, right? We, we just were referring to the fact that around this tabernacle it had the white linen where, you know, there was no place that you could enter into the presence of God but by that one gate, right? And there the lovely colors were. By the way, there were no cherubim there. Did you ever notice that? The cherubim were... On the other, you had the door, you had the gate, and you had the veil, right? Or the other way around, gate, door, veil. I can't remember. But anyway, there's no cherubim there. Uh, uh, here, I'm pointing at it. Don't you see where my finger is pointing? Uh, you had the, the, the gate there. There was no cherubim there, but it was there. And then inside in the veil was where the cherubim were. But outside there, where, that, where the lovely colors were, where they were attracted to, all around spoke of the holiness, the purity of God. But there is where they'd enter. So it taught Israel many a lesson about the beauty and the holiness of God. And what about the friendliness of God? We, we didn't talk about it today, but in that, uh, inside the actual dwelling, there was a table of showbread every week, right? Put out the, the loaves that would just uh, sit there. <laughs> Who would eat them? Well, it was that, as it were, God was enjoying fellowship with his people, with the priests. The friendliness of God, he would have the table of showbread there, placed there at the beginning of the week for God, and at the end the priest would eat them in symbol as at the table with God, right? They would eat the loaves, eating with the Lord. And so there's lessons for us by analogy. And then also there's 
And according to Hebrews chapter 10 and Hebrews chapter 9, it prophesied of good things to come. Now, <clears throat> there's evidential value to this tabernacle. We can see, when we look at the tabernacle, we can see much more about the person of Christ proving that he is who he said he is. One of the things that we like to do as human beings when we go and visit someplace, right, we get a, you know, whether it's... Uh, uh, some attraction in the U.S. Uh, or outside the U.S. for that matter, but we'll get a, a little brochure, right? And it will tell us all about the places. It'll give us a little picture. It'll give us all the information about that place. And we say, oh my, oh my, when I get to Disney World, wherever it is, I want to see this and I want to see this. And I, and I circle this and I, this, is, this is the highlight of my visit. This is what I want to do. When we get there, we look at the picture. Ah, oh, this is the place. This is the ride I want to go on. This is the... And we have that little thing that shows us, wow, that's exactly what we had in mind, you know, because somebody took the time to, right, give us a brochure. Or I guess nowadays, what do they have? The, I don't know. I don't do it, but they have these virtual tours, right? You can go, you can, uh, go on the Internet and you can see the house or the attraction before you actually get there. Anyway, you see there, there's a thought model. That's what the tabernacle is, a thought model to conceptualize the New Testament Doctrine. It's like the New Testament picture book. We can look back and we can see how Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. We can see how Christ gave himself. If we stopped and, 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 and detailed all the offerings, just think about five offerings that were, that were offered there on our, that uh, brazen altar. Every one of them in some way spoke of the Lord Jesus. Every one of them. And so we, in what way did Christ die for our sins? Did he die as a martyr? Did he die? You know, well, how did he die? Well, he died as our substitute. He died as one that, that gave his all. He was, he, was, he was totally consumed with the will of God and all the way to the point of, of, of dying as our substitute. So we thank the Lord that he has given us this thought model to conceptualize the New Testament doctrine. If it wasn't for the tabernacle, you know, we wouldn't be able to understand the book of Hebrews or the book of the Revelation, right, that tell us so richly about where God is and what he is doing now. Our great high priest is sitting, right? We can see... By the way, the, great, the, the high priest and the, and the tabernacle never sat, but our great high priest sat down, right? This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, sat down. It's, a, it's just, a, a, there's, there's, there's a wealth of information when we look back and see how things operated under the Old Testament economy, and we compare it to the new and say, wow, that's our Savior. That's where he abides for us. That's what he has done for us. And it just, it just enhances our our uh, faith, and, it, and it, it helps us to appreciate the Lord Jesus more and causes us to draw nearer to him. And then lastly, you know, as, as I recall, does anybody recall how high, these, how high that fence was? Anybody remember? Seven and a half feet. So let's see. Is there any basketball players that tall? I don't think so. I don't think any. The idea is it's, it's tall enough, right? Nobody could go under. Nobody could go over, right? You, there was no way to, to, to get into this dwelling of God. And then you think about the new Jerusalem, right? Had a wall great and high, right? And outside is anything that defiles, right? Well, it's the same thing here. God has given us this lovely picture to see outside, right? Anything that defiles inside, you know, the, only the mediator was involved, Right? The, the priest, the Levitical family was allowed to do all the work 
right, uh, around here and around the labor, and then the, the, the uh, priest could go in here, the certain priest could go in here uh, uh, where the, the first compartment was and do their work. But beyond that, just the high priest, and only once a year, and it says, not without blood. Not without blood, right? And then we look at our Savior. He has entered into the holy places not made with hands, with his own blood, right? Once and forever done. And we thank the Lord that he has accomplished that for us. And in the richness of the symbolism in the tabernacle, we just can't ignore, right? Because it, it just enhances our understanding of what Christ has done for us, what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will yet do. We didn't have time to, in previous studies, to look at the um, appearances of the high priest. But it's a wonderful thing to think about how Hebrews 9 compares the, the three appearances of Christ and how the high priest did something similar on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. But a wonderful picture we have of New Testament truth in the Old Testament tabernacle. And I trust these few thoughts, we left ourselves in heaven uh, this morning, I just trust these few thoughts will help us to go on in our understanding of God, to get a, a fuller grasp of what it is to be a child of God and to, to enter into the, 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 the uh, you know, a deeper understanding of our God and of his holiness, of his strength of his beauty, of his presence, and, and, and to think of, of all that is, that is in that tabernacle is wrapped up in one person, our Savior, the Lord Jesus. It all points to Christ. We spoke this morning about the uh, mercy seat. And what, what one of the verses we failed to bring out was uh, Romans chapter 3 and verse 25. And there it says, Paul's writing, whom God, speaking of the Lord Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a, now if you have a King James or most others, propitiation. It says, I think in the NIV, a means of atonement or sacrifice of atonement. But that word there, that mercy seat, propitiation, that's the word, a Greek word, that is uh, translated in the uh, Septuagint mercy seat. What a wonderful thing to know that Christ is our mercy seat. Within that ark was the unbending law of God, which no one could keep, but sprinkled on the blood of that mercy seat, which the ark was underneath, right, was the blood of a substitute. And thank the Lord we have our divine substitute. God has set forth him to be our mercy seat through faith in his blood. The Israelites, all they had was that animal sacrifice, but it covered sins for the year. But you and I, we have Christ, our mercy seat, one sacrifice for sins forever. Well, let's just close our meeting in a word of prayer and thank the Lord for his word and for the fact that he's given us so much in the Holy Bible. His book, just think about it, God's book, and he's given us all this instruction about this tabernacle. Our Father, we thank you for the privilege to look into your word. We know that all scripture is profitable. 
And, oh God, we confess that times when we read in various portions of the word that we wonder why all the detail, why all the endless measurements and the material and the, uh, the types of it and so forth, the length of it, the width of it, the, the number of, 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 of holes, the, the, the clasps, and all of these things. We wonder why. What is the meaning? But we know, oh God, the more we get into it, the more we can see how richly it speaks to us of our Savior and of His finished work and of His great accomplishment. Oh God, we thank you. Give us the desire. Give us the understanding to go on for the gold, as it were, to, to, to go deeper. We think how in the day of the Lord Jesus, when he died, the veil was torn in two. And we, we just thank you, O God, that though they may have patched that up and tried to go on, that now we can look back and see that the way into the holiest of all is there for us to enter. Oh God, we thank you for the work of the Savior. We thank you for the, 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 the lovely picture, the lovely parable, the lovely type that we see in the tabernacle and how it gives us a richer understanding and knowledge about yourself and about the things about you. And we love that, oh God. We love to learn more. We remember how the Apostle Paul could pray that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So that is our desire as well, to apprehend that for which we have been apprehended and know you, O oh God, in a richer and a fuller way. And we thank you that this is all part of it. You've given us so much about it. Surely we must take advantage of it. And so we thank you for it. We thank you for your word. We thank you above all for Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name now we pray. Amen.